Introducing the new Poloniex trading system, now with 30 times faster order matching, 10 times faster transactions, an enhanced user interface, and even more comprehensive features. Trade like a pro on Poloniex. For more information, visit poloniex.com now. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we are in the office today, which is fantastic, reunited with my my office shower. And today on the other side of the mic is my guest, Dan O'Prey, Chief Product Officer covering crypto and Bitcoin, maybe most importantly, at Backed. Sir, so good to see you. You too, Frank. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be back in person. You look re- refreshed from your from your Rhode Island extravaganza. I had a, a little bit of a break over summer. Yeah, it's actually been probably the busiest summer of my life, but uh, I did get to switch off a little bit for that week. I feel like everyone has kind of switched off a little bit like end of August because we had such a crazy July. Everyone went into August and, and was just overwhelmed and needed to take a break. Yeah, no, definitely uh, don't don't get to switch off very often, including, you know, weekends. So I think after the, the craziness of this year, everyone just needed to, to turn the phones off and get away. Back made so many headlines in 2018, 2019. And here we have this complete market meltdown. I feel like you folks were not necessarily in the thick of things, almost kind of isolated from it. Yeah, I mean, certainly we weren't we weren't participating in uh, many of the active or well, any of the activities that that led to a lot of the the challenges that the space has seen. We are, uh, you know, relatively on the on you know, sort of conservative end of the spectrum. You're highly regulated, uh, backed by ICE, uh, having come out of them in, in 2018. So, you know, we really focus on the sort of core offerings for financial institutions and other types of partners. So, weren't involved in lending, no rehypothecation. So. Still, uh, still here, and you know, working for the long term. And I think actually, you know, with the market changes that we've seen recently, it's a it's a great opportunity for 
you know, some of the adults in the in the space to sort of step up and, and fill the gaps. I know. If it wasn't for us grown-ups, who knows where, we'd, <laughs> where this space would be. I, you know, this is the first time that Back has ever been on the podcast. Oh, wow. Which wow. is, this is quite the honor for you. So congratulations. <laughs> I tell, I joke with people more so from the traditional world when they're trying to get into crypto that you're not truly a crypto operator or market participant and until you've been on the scoop that's true uh, so um uh, mostly a shout out or calling out rather a lot of those venture firms co2 a16z you got to get on the scoop so dan are you a bitcoin maximalist i am okay uh, and what does that mean to you because there's been a lot of debate over what that word means yeah, I don't think there's any particularly hard or fast, you know, definition of the word. Uh, I've been in the space for around nine years. Uh, most of that was in the sort of enterprise blockchain space. Uh, Co-founded Hyperledger back in 2014. That was acquired by Digital Assets, spent six years there. Invested in and played in a lot of the different cryptocurrency platforms. Generally, to me, Bitcoin maximalism is, is you know, it's a... Originally, obviously, a slur by Vitalik on, on the community that we've sort of ended up embracing, but it really is just a, I don't, I've, having seen all the different areas, I, I don't believe that most of the approaches, if, if any other approach, uh, is truly as, as sound uh, in the technology sense and in the, the longevity sense. So I want to work on, you know, tech that's going to be here in, in 15, 20, 50 years. Got it. And so what are those attributes that you think give Bitcoin more longevity? Uh, the decentralization is the main one. Uh, censorship resistance. Well, firstly, I find money the most interesting use case out of any. There's lots of different use cases in the wider crypto space, but money is the big one. Uh, and really having an internet native, neutral monetary layer that anyone in the world, including governments, can, can ultimately leverage is the most exciting use case to me. And for that to be neutral, it has to be truly decentralized. It has to be outside the realms of, of influence from any company, team, foundation, you know, leader, influencer, uh, and even government, ultimately, to be successful. Yeah. Decentralization is important, but I feel like stability is also important. We haven't had a lot of that. I tweeted yesterday, kind of as a joke, but somewhat seriously, that you know those voices or those pundits out there who... Over the last cycle, all those folks that were saying from their rooftops that large publicly traded companies were going to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet, that sovereigns were going to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And now with this drawdown, I mean, it's a much more difficult task to do that. I mean, the, the price goes up and down, right? This is not the, the first crash in the space, uh, you know. Bitcoin still at eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars, which is still it's exactly still at crazy. nineteen thousand right now. Boom. So I mean, that's still a, a large amount of money compared to it was, where it was, you know, four or five years ago, and it still is only thirteen years old. So naturally, there's going to be some some price discovery, and, and with that volatility, uh, as the market determines what the long term, you know, real price is, uh, whether that's substantially higher or lower, right? Who knows? Uh, but we are still in that early innings of, of price discovery that, that leads to that volatility. And that's attractive to some people, right, for the potential upsides and less attractive to others who are looking at it as a you know, store of value or inflation hedge. Yeah. 
but I guess, you know, pretty clearly it's not, doesn't necessarily look like the latter. So what, what exactly is back doing these days? I mean, I feel like that's a company that's gone through many different ebbs and flows and just rebranded. We did. It seems like my impression is that app, which was kind of at the forefront, has been taken more into the background. And you guys are just trying to now be like an underpinning services provider. And then that first iteration was the, well, it was kind of like it came out, just gate crashed the world. And, you know, the folks at the time were saying it could be all sorts of different things, but it kind of started just with custody and those futures, then the app. Now it seems like it's taking on a new act to an extent. Is that a fair characterization? By and large, yes. Yeah, I mean, over the last sort of year and a half, really, the focus has been on on being a B2B2C platform, right? So Bact is, is you know, aiming to be that, as you say, sort of infrastructure platform, those services under the hood that can enable non-crypto companies to offer crypto to their consumers in a variety of different fashions. So the app still has a role in that, right? With different partners, maybe you're acquiring Bitcoin through a bank and you're earning it through, you know, a, a driving service or a gig economy job. Uh, or you're getting rewards on the back of a card spend or other fashions. And the app still is is really being designed to sort of be an aggregator there to allow you to leverage it across the wider ecosystem for partners that want to enable that. So, yeah, we're very much a, a platform to to help you know, financial institutions, merchants, uh, other partners uh, provide these services behind the scenes. And, and that was part of the, the recent rebrand to be a little bit more more neutral in terms of our branding to fit in with, with our multiple different partners. But you're not trying to go out and get like loads and heaps of people to use a consumer app. Correct. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, you know, we're not a Coinbase competitor. Uh, we're trying to enable our partners to to participate in that space. So keep, who keep is their users. who is the best comp? Uh, right now, I'd probably say Nidic. Uh, you know, formidable company. Uh, also being that sort of platform, highly regulated, custody, and providing the same sorts of services in many areas. So, can you explain how the app adds a value add relative to a competitor like that? Is it is it effectively? You know, we've built something, maybe not a lot of people use it, but here's something similar that we could help you design or put together. That's de- that's definitely a part of it. So, yeah. So one of our you know differentiations is we actually help our partners actually get up and running quickly, right? So if you're a small bank or a, or a you know a small partner, uh, getting the tech resources needed to build the entirety of your front end is quite a heavy lift for for some of the smaller companies. Uh, so we provide a sort of hosted website that you can essentially embed within your application, which is built on the same technologies that that we use in our app. Uh, and then in some cases, a little bit more on the on the loyalty side of the business, there are, you know, say a hotel chain where, where people aren't visiting their hotel app every day or even every week. They're visiting it once or twice a year when they want to book a hotel. So for them, a way to actually, you know, we have an up and running app that you can refer your users to where they can leverage your, your loyalty points, for example. It's a, it's a communal, mutual area that you can leverage across partners. Mm. I feel like airlines were a component, but then I, but I feel like it's tougher to get them to kind of get on board. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't believe we've got any any live airline partners at the moment. I think Frontier was on there in the beginning, but it maybe isn't anymore. Okay, so I still I still ki- I kind of 
get it. So what other things can you do with some of these partners? What types of things are they looking for you to help them build? Yeah, so our, our three sort of core services that, that most of our partners are interested in the moment are around embedded trading, right? Buy, sell for Bitcoin and Ether today. Uh, more assets being added to the platform shortly for rewards. Uh, so whether that's, you know, we have partnerships with MasterCard, Visa, Global Payments Network. So whether that's a back of a, of a card spend, you know, issuing your own branded card, uh, similar to many of the sort of crypto reward cards that you have today, but now it's from your, your existing bank, or it's, it's going into an existing rural program instead of having points or cash back. Now you can add crypto to that solution uh, or other forms of reward programs as well outside of cards. Uh, then lastly is payouts. So getting a portion of your salary paid to you in, in you know, Bitcoin or crypto. Mm. Through your bank? All through partners of, of various different types. So yeah, a lot of that, the focus on the trading side initially has been on the, the banking sector. Uh, payouts, we've seen a lot of interest in the sort of gig economy you know, world uh, for getting a portion of your, your salary. Uh, rewards is, yeah, banks uh, and other different yeah, loyalty programs. Mm. It's interesting. Has the interest waned with the sort of market pricing that we're seeing? Actually, I've been somewhat surprised that it hasn't. I think most of the partners that we've been talking to have been in this space or looking at this space actively for, for several years now. You know, some of them, of course, are, are relatively newer to the space and a little bit more guarded. But you know, most of the big guys that we've announced partnerships with, you know, they didn't just enter last year. They, they've, they know the nature of the game, right? They know there are going to be downturns. Uh, and actually, you know, some of the more optimistic ones have been looking at actually this is a great time we don't want to get in when it's 69k and and start selling it to our consumers and having them you know feel the hit of the crash but in the bear market while the price is you know relatively low and and relatively you know stable for mm. for this market it's actually a great time to be building obviously and also getting into the space and offering that starting to offer those consumers in anticipation of of the next bull run mm. it's interesting yeah, it's it's a weird period right now. Kind of don't know what's going to happen. We're completely at the the whim of the Fed and the macro picture. And you know, there's not there's not like a big catalyst. You know, there's not a big tailwind like we've seen before when there was the inflation story around Bitcoin, the store of value narrative i think where it's, where it's getting interesting for me particularly and it is you know it is early stages in this is but you know is the utility it's it's a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash it's not a stick it on your your hardware wallet and, and wait for 10 years which you know has been thus far so seeing you know channel capacity and lightning starting to grow substantially still relatively you know small cons you know relative to the other payment networks of the world but you know node counts growing capacity locked in lightning is growing We've got BlackRock entering the space a few months ago, or a couple of months ago, lost track of time. So we are starting to see, you know, that that types of institutional adoption that people have been talking about for a while, as well as the early signs, and early signs of actually payment networks starting to take off as well. Uh, and users may not even know in those circumstances that they're using Bitcoin under the hood or Lightning under the hood. Uh, they may just see dollars to dollars or dollars to euros. 
But, you know, that's where we're starting to sort of really see quite a lot of long-term opportunities, abstracting all of this away so that the consumer or even the partner doesn't need to care which protocol is being used or, or what the price of it is. You're just using it as a, as a rail uh, under the hood in order to effectuate payments. Can you help merchants accept Bitcoin via Lightning? Uh, we don't today. We, we help merchants accept Bitcoin via people who are holding Bitcoin with us can use you know, either the back to virtual debit card uh, and tap to pay and spend that or you know, through the partnerships that we have, being able to issue their own cards and get their own rewards and, and spend with crypto behind the scenes as a sort of as a funding source. But that's today still going over traditional rails. So and many merchants today want that, right? They want to receive dollars. They don't want to have to touch crypto. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're um when you're abroad and it just does the conversion at the point of sale. It's an FX, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Point of sale just in time sort of FX conversion mm-hmm. style. But you know, over time, right? That's a that's an entry point, and that gives us the integrations into the the current rails, and, and gives us the opportunity to to leverage that and innovate on top of that with our partners to over time move it to more of a, a direct crypto rail. And is there interest in in that? Uh, starting to be, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, obviously the the trading piece and custody are, are really the sort of core crypto products that that there's a primary interest in today. This is more of a sort of you know, medium-term, long-term bet. So starting to get interest in that. Nothing that's, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. We just hired a VP of Lightning about three months ago. So early days for us, uh, but an area that we're actively investing in. VP of Lightning. What does that resume for that look like? He actually comes from the, the traditional payments world. So a lot of experience, you know, in the, you know, with the types of partners that we have, the Finastras, Fiserves, uh, and types. Mm. It's just converging. Down in uh, down in Atlanta, the uh, what do they call it? The the Payment Valley, or something a lot catchier than that. <laughs> Have you been Atlanta? Yep, yep, no, a few times. Uh, so that's where where our headquarters is. Mm-hmm. We just opened the office in New York a few months ago, but uh, Atlanta one's still in construction. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah, I went there once. Uh, that airport's huge. You it know, is. it's the most um, traffic. It's beaten out London Heathrow, yeah. Yeah. My home airport. It's very like random, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, I guess because it's just one hub there. Yeah. Whereas New York has its various airports, right? Maybe New York combined would win. Who knows? I have no idea. Introducing the new Poloniex trading system with 30 times faster order matching, 10 times faster transactions, an enhanced user interface, and even more comprehensive features. Trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 30 other perpetual swap contracts with up to 100x leverage on Poloniex futures and earn staking rewards on a variety of tokens. Trade like a pro on Poloniex. For more information, visit poloniex.com now. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. 
a pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, ceritanium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white and woodland green. Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. So what's your strategy right now? Like when you think about the goal, what's the goal and how are you going to execute? I'd say the goal is twofold, right? One, one we see, you know, the hypothesis is that in the early stages of the industry, there are dedicated companies with crypto exchanges, crypto payment processes, uh, and people have to go out of their way to, to essentially decide that they want to participate in this space, sign up to an exchange, wire their money across and, and actually go and use those. But over time, as that becomes more ubiquitous, if we can help you know, traditional brokerages and, and traditional banks and, and other partners actually provide the same sorts of services, that becomes more sort of commoditized across the whole industry. Uh, and we can be the sort of regulated rails behind the scenes, enabling them to do that. You know, and, and allowing our partners to, to keep the relationship with their user and to keep you know, actually you know, the experience and front end of that. Once you have that, you know, trading sort of as the the in route to that and you've got that adoption and we've got a bit of a an ecosystem of partners sometimes we use a sort of like zell analogy of being able to leverage your assets across you know not just crypto but points and, and other assets across the whole ecosystem then you can start to layer on more utility uh, so we just you know touched on on payments being you know one area that we're, we're very focused on for actually providing that utility but other things that are in the works that I can't necessarily you know, talk about today, but enabling partners through trading to get assets on board, to get users on board, and then layering on top of that more, more utilitarian applications. Mm. Helping banks maybe offer staking. Could be one of those. Yep. Yep. I mean, obviously uh, a lot of interest in, in sort of interest bearing or, or yield generating accounts. Definitely a lot of you know, challenges regulatory around how to offer those to consumers at the moment. Mm. But, you know, those those types of offerings, how to you know, leverage your, your assets to make more money, how to leverage them to, to save money making payments, how to borrow against assets that are held as collateral, you know, multiple different routes from that, that initial entry point. Mm. What about NFTs? Um, personally, I'm skeptical of the space. I think yeah. there's there's some value there. Obviously, well, not obviously, but I think the current incarnation is kind of the the you know funny in route for for some people and and maybe some people's first step towards that. I haven't seen a, a necessarily a killer application in that space that is sustainable yet. Uh, I think certainly you know. Board ape style communities of bringing people together and and you know, shared interest in art and and real physical events. That's one area, but that's not really you know, the space that Bact plays in. We've been looking at it very much from the lens of sort of loyalty, right? Are, are there uh, different applications that can encourage and reward users through through our partners? There are some interesting things there. I think most of what's happening in the NFT space today is largely marketing, right? It, it's driven out of the, the sort of marketing or digital teams rather than the, the core commercial product teams. So having been around the block a little bit in this space and seeing fads come and go every six to 12 months, 
usually they sort of have this big hype cycle die down for a couple of years and then the 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 real value starts to emerge on the other end and i think with nfts we're still kind of in that maybe downside of that that hype bubble is there a connection to loyalty and rewards though that can be made i mean can those loyalty points be nfts you could certainly tokenize uh, loyalty points. Or- yeah, yeah, it's, you know, more fungible uh, tokens, or you can have NFTs that are you know redeemable for a particular item, but now are you know more tradable. So, if, you know, if there's a exclusive pre-sale, people can buy and receive the NFT before they they get the good, and then you can have a secondary market with royalties and you know exchange and trading before that. So there's there's lots of different you know applications that sound good on the surface. Sort of drilling down into it and the particular types of applications that that most of the companies in this space I've spoken to, you don't necessarily need NFTs to, to achieve a lot of these these outcomes. Not to say you, you know, couldn't use them, but generally speaking, for me, you know, as a product guy, if your motivation to use NFTs is because it's gonna gather attention, then it's perhaps, you know, not as sound a, a business case or, or, or solution case uh, as it would be if you didn't have that additional marketing incentive on top. Mm, I see. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I find it I find it pretty interesting that, you know, what Tiffany's did with CryptoPunks. Yes, with the CryptoPunks where they're basically a number of CryptoPunk owners can bid for this sort of diamond uh version, physical version of a CryptoPunk. Yeah, I think that's that's uh a good you know, move by a company in terms of sort of having a, a targeted market of mm-hmm. generally quite young, generally quite wealthy people who obviously are very passionate about that particular community. So if your goal is to, to target you know, you know, relatively wealthy, younger demographics, then that can be a great you know, way to do it. You know, Tiffany's were the first to do that particular use case. I think if every you know luxury brand in the world did it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. You know, it's not scalable beyond the sort of one-off applications, which may be you know in isolation, you know, very sound, but don't necessarily appeal to the whole market or can't scale to every single company. So that that's the sort of applications I'm looking for. What what can fit for multiple different partners and has years of longevity, not just uh, you know. A, a limited edition period. Mm. Which product are you most proud of? You know, I, I I joined back to a little over a year ago, and and I I you know I thought custody was was relatively boring, frankly, and you know starting to be commoditized. But really, I, that's actually another area that I've started to get a lot more excited about, uh, and we're starting to to really reinvest in in our solution there. Uh, I think there's a lot of different potential opportunities within just the custody space, and obviously custody being the the core of all of the products that we offer uh, on the crypto side, uh, and being the one that's the most sticky in terms of once you're custodying your assets with us, then then you're looking for other ways that you can leverage them through us. So, you know, the custody and trading pieces they're early stages in terms of our new you know newer year and a half sort of B two B to C model, uh, but those are the ones I'm I'm. Yeah, you know, really excited about in terms of the the scalability and actually some nuance in the in the sort of differentiation of what we can build there. Now, this is is this custody though? I mean, originally, you guys had, I forget, might have been Paul Tudor Jones's fund was custodying their Bitcoin with back. They were, yeah. Is it that demo, or is this a different type of demo you're looking to target? 
we do still serve you know more institutional clients through the custody solution, but you know the focus is on that sort of core B two B two C side on being that platform through other partners to end consumers. So when I buy, let's say I am you know customer of Iowa National Bank in Des Moines, just made that up, and they partner with Back so that they can do buy sell Bitcoin. I buy Bitcoin through my normal Des Moines National Bank checking account, that Bitcoin's custodied by back. Correct. Yep. In your warehouse. Correct, under the, the bank trust, yes. Yep. So how much Bitcoin is in there? Uh, not, not a huge amount today because we have shifted over the last year and a half to, to de, you know, I don't want to say de-emphasize the institutional, but really, really focus on, on the, the B2B2C side. So today, our, you know, our AUC is relatively low compared to the sort of, you know, the, the large custodians that have been off serving both sides of the, the space. But we are, you know, at the point now where we're starting to go live uh, with those types of partnerships and, and expect that to grow materially over the next year. Mm. Do, do you custody loyalty points? <laughs> Uh, we have integrations with points banks, but yeah, that, that's outside the uh, the warehouse solutions. No private keys involved. In, no private in that. keys, and in, in, they're not tokenized loyalty points. No. So is that is that still because that's a large component of the business through that acquisition of uh, two bridge? Oh, bridge two. Bridge two on the thank loyalty you. side. Yeah. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm less involved in in that side of the business, but that is still uh, you know a large portion. We service you know six out of the top ten banks uh, in the U.S. Chase Ultimate Reward Points. We actually power the Apple Store for redeeming points for Apple merchandise. Yeah, again, you wouldn't see the back brand name anywhere, right? It's entirely white labeled in these cases, but we're behind the scenes powering a lot of those those loyalty redemption platforms. Uh, and then you know, leveraging our integrations with with those points to to see if we can do more and do you know, open that up into to different applications as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Like it's probably half the company. Like crypto is kind of only a component of the whole show. Yeah, and, and that's you know that is a, a differentiator for us, right? Large companies want you know many of them want one stop shops that they don't want to have to go to three different companies, one for crypto, one for payments, one for loyalty. We, we have all of that in one place, so we can we can service many different parts of the business. Uh, and then the overlap and, and interplay between those, we already spoke about you know, the overlap between you know, Bitcoin and, and potentially with payments, you know, NFTs or tokenized points, something we continue to explore on the overlap between crypto and loyalty. Uh, and then you can pay with your points, right? So there's an example of, of some you know, overlap between payments and loyalty as well. So having those three different parts of the business working with each other means we can- You can pay for your points uh, for- You can leverage your, your hotel, so a couple of hotel chains, yeah, Choice and Wyndham. Uh, if you've accumulated you know, loyalty points through those, you can, you know, just like we were talking with the, you know, tapping your, your card and mm. selling a certain amount of points and essentially them, them acting as cash in that regard. Uh, some partners have also started working towards and allowing you to exchange them directly for, for Bitcoin and crypto as well. Mm. And why would they want those points to kind of get outside of their ecosystem? Wouldn't they prefer if you just come back to Wyndham and use your points so that they have you in Wyndham buying more things? Yeah, I mean, that that's seemingly, you know, a bit paradoxical and right, the whole point of a loyalty programs is that they're not fungible or, or usable elsewhere. Uh, however, there are actually, and, and you know, this isn't my space, but uh, I've learned over the last year, 
uh, a few sort of impetuses for them looking to do that. So one is they have you know large amount of loyalty points on their balance sheet that they have to count as liabilities, and mm. if those aren't going to use, they're they're sitting there uh, as potential future liabilities. So they so want them out. If you're not going to use our service, then it's better to get those points to someone who wants to use them because they will come and they will give you commerce rather than having a, a liability sitting there. And then there's the opportunity as well for you know cross brand promotions. So, you know, if you allow your points to be spent, right, so going back to airlines, uh, Star Alliance and, and a lot of these consortiums that allow shared loyalty points or loyalty points that can be used across uh, different types of brands for, for promotions. So there's actually some, some relatively interesting, uh, you know, different ways that different companies can get together and work together. And that's potentially an area that tokenization may help with down the line by, by allowing these things to be sort of a bit more plug and play rather than on, on disparate systems. But yeah, starting at the first couple of steps of allowing them to leverage them outside of ecosystems. Mm. So what are some of the lessons you've maybe learned over the past few months or maybe since joining the company about a year and a year and some odd months ago? Yeah. So we're, you know, we're a public company. We're a highly regulated company. So we went public on the, the New York stock exchange late last year. It's not uh, look, that's not a good looking chart. Well, whose is? Uh, many, not many good charts out there. Yeah. Well, you know the wider market is uh, is down this year, absolutely. So yeah, learning to uh, you know how to deal with the interesting pieces of of being a public company. Frontier's looking good though. It is ticker ULCC. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's been wild. So yeah, n- none of the charts are looking good right now. It's a interesting time. Do you think the door is open to flipping or a Bitcoin maxi to an extent? But I think it could could happen. In terms of the market cap of ETH overtaking Bitcoin? Yeah. Anything's possible. Yeah, I think it's been talked about a lot of times before. It's not really come close. I think the infrastructure and, and imp- institutional interest is actually you know, still more in the Bitcoin world. It's a, it's a known quantity. It doesn't change much, right? It's often criticized for, for not changing enough or being innovative. And there's a lot more excitement and drama and changes in the other world. But the reason it doesn't change much is because it is the most decentralized. And actually that, you know, predictability uh, and knowing Bitcoin's going to look largely the same in five years versus I don't know what, you know, some of the more centralized platforms may look like uh, based on regulatory pressures, based on you know, leadership team decisions, that that still still means that if you're looking for, you know, if you're a large fund, you need to, you know, infrastructure uh, and predictability in the space. If you are getting into the space, you are, you're starting there. Whether you stop there or not, you know, that remains to be seen. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that's, NIDA kind of goes more there are definitely maxis too yeah in that direction um dan what are you most excited about user adoption uh getting this into the mainstream you know that that's why i joined back you know there are there are large companies with a lot of you know uh, ability a lot of users and a lot of ability to bring products to those users but they tend to move incredibly slowly and then you've got you know smaller startups that can move incredibly quickly but have very little reach Act is is kind of at the intersection of those where we're we're still a small enough company that we can move you know, relatively quickly to the big guys, but we have the partnerships and the reach into those big guys to to enable them to get that reach as well. So, for me, it's you know it's getting Bitcoin into the hands of 
of hundreds of millions of people and getting them to actually use it you know, as peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash uh, as the original you know, vision. Fantastic. Well, good luck. You're halfway there, living on a prayer. Dan O'Prey, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Frank. Really enjoyed it. Where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're doing at Backed? They can check out the new site. They can. Brand new uh, shiny website this week, BAKKT.com. And are you on Twitter? I am. Don't look at it. Dan O'Prey. Dan O'Prey. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an amazing day.